Hey, this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. All right. As much as I miss Aaron and Candace, have you guys been enjoying the speaker lineup for like the past month? Yeah, it's been great. All right, and we have another speaker with us today, okay? This one actually grew up here at Freedom Valley, and uh, since then, she has gone on with her husband to plant a church up in Harrisburg. So she is a good friend of Aaron and Candace. Please help me welcome Beck Arnold. Well, good morning, guys. How are you? At home, I say, hello, you beautiful humans, because I think everybody should start out their day knowing that they are beautiful. I say it to my kids in the morning. I have a 16, 15, and 13-year-old. They're all teenagers. Anybody have teenagers in the room? I think teenagers are magic. I love my teenagers. I'll be honest, I would take teenagers over toddlers any day. Some of you look at me like, you crazy. I am a little crazy, but I'll be honest, I like to sleep, and my teenagers sleep through the night, so that's really nice for me. Uh, My name is Beck, and I have deep, deep, deep roots in this room. Uh, I was at Freedom Valley before we were in this building. My parents helped plant Freedom Valley 30 years ago, and so I grew up here. We did youth ministry here. I uh, dug in the front yard before where there was a parking lot. I have pictures of digging holes. It's the only time you'll ever see me dig holes because mama's terrible. I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. And so Freedom Valley has changed my life. Anybody in this room has Freedom Valley changed your life? Thank you. I got to be honest, it is cool to be here. It is, I, I was here before this stage was here. Freedom Valley actually helped my husband and I plant our church. We are in an inner city. We're in Harrisburg. Uh, we are about a quarter of a mile from the most dangerous uh, little town section of Harrisburg. It has the highest murder rate in the, in the state. And we are doing crazy things up there. I mean, we get a lot of graffiti on our buildings. It has not nice words. Any of you, any of you are graffiti artists in here or know somebody that's a graffiti artist? Because the ones that we have are terrible. I'd leave their stuff up if it were good. It's bad. It's really bad. And so I was really excited today to come back to where I grew up. I grew up about two miles down the road. Uh, it's nice to be here this morning. So thank you for letting me be a part of your morning. And so you guys are in the Made New series. How many have been enjoying Made New? How many of you like change? Anybody like change? Who said yes? Are you serious? Good for you. We'll talk afterwards because I don't love it. I don't love change. And so I thought it was very cool this morning. Today I'm talking about dirt, getting in the dirt. How is your dirt? And I thought it was cool because I'm going to talk to you a little bit about farming and gardening today. And the, the, there are beautiful flowers. How many of you like to garden? Anybody in here like to garden? Really? You like it? Hmm, maybe I should talk to you too. Maybe more of you are going to need to come talk to me after service today. I am an absolutely awful gardener. I literally kill everything. Everyone's like, it's not that hard. 
Yes, it is. I can't keep anything alive. So my husband says to me, my husband and I uh, were both not gardeners. Um, so he said, babe, let's try succulents, right? If you don't know what a succulent is, they live in the desert with no water. They basically can't die, right? They can't die unless they live at Beck's house. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how I can kill something that lives in the desert, but I can. I am the only. So my husband's like, we're going to try succulents. And we bought a bunch of succulents. Do you know that you can overwater something? Sure you do. You're gardeners. You know all the things. I, I, over, I drowned. <laughs> I drowned my succulents. I killed them. And I'm like, this is absurd. So my very best friend in the whole wide world, Ashley, she's sitting in the front row. Give it up for her because she's incredible. She can deal with me. She's an amazing human. So she actually bought me a succulent. And did you know there is, so her, the succulent that she got me came with this tiny, it literally is about this big. And that's all the water you're supposed to give it for a week. Once a week, you're, that's it. I'm like, that surely can't be true. So when I follow the directions that came with the succulent, it's the one and only succulent that has lived in my home. I've killed them all, all the rest of them. And so I don't know about you. I sometimes need, does any, how many of you learn well with pictures and reading through? How many of you actually read the instructions to things? Six of you. Six of you read the instructions. If you have ever put it together IKEA furniture, you know that those instructions mean nothing. Why even have them? And there's always extra. Th there's always extra parts. What? Why do they give you the extra parts? I don't. I'm like I have clearly missed something. There's four shelves here and six screws, and I don't know what to do with them. And so I need things explained to me over and over and over again. Any of you need things on repeat? I need things on repeat. And the one thing that I love about Jesus is he does things on repeat. And I think too many of us have grown up, we're like, oh, I know that. I know I'm supposed to do that. And yet we don't do it. And so I think today, I want to talk to you about your dirt. What's going on in the dirt in your life? And it's not going to be inappropriate because when people talk about dirt, they're like, what kind of dirt are we talking about? I want to talk to you about four different kinds of dirt today. But, and my, my passage comes from Matthew chapter 13. But if you know anything about me, I love history. One of my very first jobs in Gettysburg was, I was a tour guide on the battlefields. I loved it so much. I am a nerd at heart. I love history. My kids are like, we don't care. Yeah. We don't, we, why, why, mom, why? I'm like, because you need to know why something happens, because it is good to know the behind the scenes so you can understand how good the outcome is. So I love history. So before we talk about what we're going to talk about today, I want to tell you what happened right before it because I think it makes the story better, right? Knowing why something happened makes the story better, I think. And so if you don't mind, we are going, we're talking about Jesus because he's the man, right? Jesus is the man. When I think about Jesus, I'm, I, I love my children, and I'm sure that all of you are wonderful people, but I have to be honest, I can't fathom being Jesus and doing what Jesus did for people that were awful to him. So every single time I talk about Jesus, I want you to remember the history behind who Jesus is. He left a perfect place so that you could be set free. 
And the problem is we forget that Jesus came from a perfect place for you to be set free from your stuff. He didn't just come so we could have a nice story to tell or we could gather on Sunday mornings, feel good about ourselves, and walk out the door. He came to set you free from whatever it is that you're facing. And if you don't remember the backstory behind what he did, you'll forget why the story is good. So if we're talking about Jesus this morning, we're, I want to tell you a really cool story about Jesus, but I want to tell you what was going on beforehand. Have any of you had a rough year? Anybody at all had a rough year or a, few, a rough couple of years or a rough couple of decades or a rough forever? Anybody? Anybody at all, right? Well, you're in good company. Jesus had some rough times right before he tells this story, right before. And so Jesus, he leaves his perfect place and he comes to earth where people don't like him. Have you, ha, do you have anybody in your life that doesn't like you? Or goes out of their way to make your life miserable? If they're in this room, do not look at them. Do not point fingers at them. Pray to Jesus, that would change. Well, Jesus was in the same boat. Jesus had spent the whole, right before the story, he had spent his whole time doing good things for other people. So Jesus is walking with his disciples right before the story, and they're walking on the Sabbath day, right? They're walking, and they're walking through a field, and his disciples start pulling grain off, and they start eating it, and they're walking through the field. And Matthew chapter 12, through, 6 through 8 says, I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple, but you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices, for the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. So the Pharisees, Jesus has done a lot of great things. He's healing people. He's changing lives. He's turning fish. I mean, how many of you are, yes, I heard you're excited about summer, but don't, do you remember that you have to feed your teenagers and your children lots of meals? Summertime, you're, I don't know about you, but my three teenagers, I feel like they're never not hungry. We had a big dinner last night. We get home and my 13-year-old son goes, I'm starving. And I'm like, I don't know how that, I don't, first of all, you don't know what starving means, honey, because that's not true. You just had like chicken and pasta and we were at a baby shower and he's like, I have to eat or I'm not going to make it until the morning. I'm like, you're going to die? You clearly do not understand things. Well, here's, Jesus had done all sorts of things. He had done great things. He had, feed, he had fed people and the, the Pharisees of the time are like, ooh, I don't like Jesus, and I'm going to do everything I can to trap him. So if you don't know Jewish culture, they weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. Well, you have to eat on the Sabbath. How many of you moms know your work is never done? Never done. Somebody is always hungry, or somebody needs something. Well, Jesus is like, are you kidding me? You're going to focus on this law of the Sabbath and not realize what has been happening all over the place? Come on, guys. So they're trying to trap him. Then they say to him, you can't heal or work on the Sabbath. And Jesus says to them, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. I feel like he's saying you guys are being dumb, real dumb. Have you ever wanted to say that to somebody? She dumb. That's what he's saying. Jesus said it like that. That's the Beck version of the Bible. She dumb. 
so he says here, uh, it says, uh, and how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Well, how many of you have done good things and they go unnoticed or worse, people turn them around and they betray you and make it bad? Have you ever been hurt by a person? Anybody been hurt in this room? Five of you have been hurt. The rest of you, what, what kind of life do you live? You've never been hurt before? I mean, okay, so I'm meeting someone to teach me how to garden. What else do oh, we learn? Not to kill plants and now not to be hurt. I'd like, I, I'm, I'm excited to meet you afterwards. Come talk to me because I live in a world where I get hurt. And I'll be totally honest with you. I am an emotional human being. I cry about everything. I cry when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm mad, when I'm super excited, and when I'm angry. All the times, all the tears. So my, my son, he'll come in and be like, mom, what, are we crying about something good today? I'm like, it's good. It's good. He's like, this, this is weird. So Jesus has been hurt by people. He's been betrayed by people. He now has these Pharisees that are coming and they're plotting to kill him. And he knows it because he's Jesus. How many of you feel like no matter how hard you try, things do not get better? No matter how hard you try, nothing is turning out the way that you want to. No matter how much effort you put into it, it still isn't what it's supposed to be. Welcome to the club. You're in real good company because Jesus is in the same boat. He's healing people. He's setting people free. And still the pastors of the time are trying to kill him. So he's had a pretty rough couple of days. He's had a pretty rough kind of... How many of you are, know that someone... Try, is anybody trying to kill anybody? Do anybody know of anybody that's on like somebody's hit list? Good. I'm glad. If not... Listen, don't raise your... If, if you're going to raise your hand for that, somebody call the police now. Go talk to Pastor Isaiah in the back. If someone's trying to kill you, you need to talk to him. I'm putting it on you, fancy hair. By the way, that hair is amazing. It, I don't know how it does it, but it's pretty awesome. I might take a picture of you because my son is like into his hair right now. So I'm going to be like, you can do it. You can do it. We'll ask Pastor Isaiah. Well, if you are in the boat where life is hard... I'm here to tell you it's okay. I'm here to tell you that you can get through it. So we often think that we can't change and life can't be good unless everything is good and all of our ducks are in, an or, uh, in order and everything's perfect in order for life to be good. That isn't true and it will never happen. So I'm here to tell you stop waiting for everything to be in line before you let God move in your life. Start moving right now. Because if Jesus would have waited for the perfect time and for everything to be right in his life before he died on the cross, he wouldn't have died on the cross for us. Don't wait. You are wasting beautiful and precious time by waiting for everything to be in order. It isn't going to be in order, in perfect order ever. So take a deep breath. I heard, good job. You guys follow directions so well. Take a deep breath and realize right Jesus' timing, the timing when he tells us this, it was rough. Jesus had just experienced a lot. People were trying to kill him for doing good things. And so here's where our story comes in. And what I love about Jesus, I love what Pastor Isaiah said this morning. He said, do you ever come into church and you're like, I don't get what they are saying? 
Or you read your Bible and like, well, this might as well be Chinese because I don't know. Sometimes when I read the Bible, I'm like, I need to read it in 47 different versions so Beck understands what's going on. Well, Jesus knew that about Beck and he knew it about you. So he's like, let me explain to you what is going on? So he talked, he spoke in parables. And back then, it was a huge agriculture. It was a huge farming area. So the people he's talking to would understand this. So he's talking to them in a way that he can understand. Which I love because a lot of us feel like Jesus is speaking a foreign language when he really isn't. And so it comes from Matthew 13. It said, later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into a boat. He was social distancing. He's like, everybody, give me some space. I need to get on the boat. Then he sat there and he taught as the people stood on the shore. You know, I don't know about you, but when I, pick, when I read the Bible, I have to, I picture it kind of like a movie in my head. Does anybody picture the Bible like that? Like actually in picture, or you guys just read it and be like, I get this, I'm a genius. I have to picture it with pictures. And so he, he starts telling them this story. He's in the boat and I, I mean, they didn't have microphones back then. So it was like, he's saying it to his disciples and the disciples are yelling at her. Is he just screaming? What is, what is happening here? So he's telling the story there on the shore. He's in the boat and he told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. He says, the first thing he says is, listen. I think that's so poignant. There's nothing in the Bible that doesn't have purpose. Listen, how many of you struggle, don't raise your hand, struggle to listen? Or how many of you know somebody that struggles to listen? I know my children, I... I, I I don't know how many times, even as my 13-year-old son, how many times I have to tell him, buddy, we're leaving in five minutes. You have to be ready to go. You know how many times he doesn't put his shoes on until he's in the van? I'm like, how do you not? Mama, I'm not ready. How? How are you not ready? We all struggle with listening. All of us struggle to listen. We read the word of God. We hear amazing messages from Pastor Candace and all the people that I was speaking to you. We, we hear worship on Sunday morning, but we fail to listen. There is a difference between the two. I can hear what somebody says, but if I don't take it to heart and listen, it won't change me. So Jesus knows his people and he says this, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his fields, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came out and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell in fertile soil and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as he'd planted. Anyone with ears, how many people in the room have ears? Four of you have ears? Guys, you all have ears, even just one of them, or ear holes. Maybe you lost your ears or you were born without ears, the outside. You have... It says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. 
I love this story. And the thing about Jesus is he tells the story and then he goes on to explain it again. He's like, guys, I know. I know, just, I know you're like, what is the deal with the farmer? Who's the farmer? Why are we planting seeds? That's what I would be like. I'd be like, you better talk to me about something else, God, because I don't know how to garden. I don't know how to farm. I think farmers are probably the greatest human beings on earth. They are the hardest workers ever. They don't get time off. They do not get enough sleep. They have to do things that nobody should have to do. We have a farmer at our church, and sometimes he takes care of all. He takes takes care of the ushering, and he is our parking lot greeter. And one morning, he said to me, he, "He's a dairy farmer. He's like Beck. I delivered a cow this morning. I was like, excuse me, what?" before you came to church this morning, you delivered a baby cat, a calf? And he's like, yeah, I did. You want to know about it? And I'm like, yes, I do. He delivered a calf before he came to church. And so many of us can't get to church on time. He delivered a cow and he lived almost an hour away and he was still chipper. I mean, if I had to deliver anything, I've delivered three children. I ain't being chipper coming to church that day. For those of you who haven't delivered human beings, be glad. It ain't great. He delivered a county came to church. So I have a deep respect for farmers because I think they do incredible things and they really do make the world go around. We eat because there are farmers. And so here's the thing. Jesus telling the story to farmers or people that at least get it. And then there's probably people like dum-dums like me in the room that don't understand. So he's like, let me just explain to you a little bit more. Because I'd be like, who's the farmer? And what are you talking about? Well, in this story, the farmer is God. God's the farmer. And God wants to plant the most incredible seeds in your life, but your dirt has to be right in order to receive them. So that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about the seeds that he has for you. And it isn't succulents or tomatoes. or Sure, those are great. I love tomatoes. They're delicious. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about seeds of joy and peace and patience. How many of you could just use some peace in your life? Just some peace of mind. That you can go to bed and you can lay your head in their pillow and not worry about every single thing known to man. Not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. How many of you could use a little faithfulness or gentleness? Anybody in the room need a little bit of gentleness? Or know somebody that needs to be gentle? He wants to give you kindness and goodness and wisdom. The problem is, your dirt ain't ready to receive it. We want God to move on our behalf, but we're not willing to do the work of, of, of that a farmer does to make our soil ready. Today, I want to talk to you about making your dirt new. How is your dirt? Your dirt needs to be ready. You can't just keep asking God to do things in your life if you aren't willing to put in the work. I promise I'm nice. I promise that I want good things for you. But the Bible says in John 10, 10, it is my favorite verse of the Bible. It says the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. If you are living anything other than a rich and satisfying life, you are missing why Jesus came. God did not just come. God did not send his son Jesus so that you could live with anxiety and stress and depression and worry and pain and all of the things. That is not why he came. 
He came to set you free and so you could have a rich and satisfying life. And I'm not just talking about finances. Yes, God wants your finances to be good. But as much as we think finances changes everything, you know what changes everything? Peace. Knowing that God is good in your core, even if your circumstances are the worst. Knowing that God is faithful, that he's going to come through. So Jesus, here in this story, he talks about four different kinds of dirt. So this morning, I want you, as I'm reading these things and talking about these dirt, I want you to picture which one you are. Because each one of us are one of them. And so we need to get to a place that we're the one at the end. And so the first one he talks about is the footpath. And it says, as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them. I think that the people, the dirt in your life, if you're on the footpath, you're the person or you may know a person, they come to church and they sit through church and they don't let it sink in. They listen to the words, they hear the words and they walk right out the door and don't, doesn't let it change them. The seeds never get planted. Church or reading your Bible or going to connect groups or small groups, I'm not sure what you guys call them, or, or having classes or everything about Jesus, it, it hits them but bounces off because they're like, I'm going to check church off my list and I'm going to walk right out. How many of you have ever been in that stage? You don't have to raise your hand if you want to, but I've been there. I grew up in church my whole life, right? My whole life. I've been saved since I was five. But there have been seasons of my life where I'm like, I know what you're saying. I've heard it already. Great. Good for you. Now I'm just going to go. Right? I can be honest. I've been there. And here's the truth. The thing about a footpath is you hear the seeds are there, but they never take root. Why do something if there isn't going to be results? It would be like working out while eating a cheeseburger. What are you doing? I, that is another thing I hate. I hate working out and I should love it more. I, I would want to, does it make sense? Why, why come to church? Why do this if you're not gonna let it change you? It's just a waste. And here's the truth of the matter. You have a lot of other things going on in life. And if you're not going to come through these doors and you're not going to put in the work, what are you doing? You know what's going to happen? The seeds that are thrown out, the seeds that are scattered, they're going to just lay there and the birds are going to come eat them or somebody else. They're going to take root someplace else. I don't want that to be you. Pastor Candace, Pastor Isaiah, Pastor Aaron, they don't want that to be you. You shouldn't want that for you. So the first one he talks about is a footpath. He scatters all the great seeds, all the amazing seeds God had for you. And he's like, come on, let me in. Don't be the guy or the girl that walks in the door, sits through service, is on your phone, waiting for what to eat for lunch, and then walks out and doesn't let it change you. You miss everything that God has for you, everything. So most of you are like, well, that's not me. Maybe I serve in church. Well, maybe this is you. 
The next part he talks about, the soil he talks about, the dirt is the shallow soil with underlying rock. It says, other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. I would say that is probably a good portion of us church people. We are soft. Jesus softens our hearts. We come in, we hear the worship music. It touches us. When we sing the last song, I'm like, I can't believe Jesus loves me. That last song we sang, when he loves me, he, I was his before, I was, I was his before I even knew I needed to be his. Like when I hear that, I'm like, God, do everything you ever wanted me and rip it all out and I'm ready. I'm ready in the middle of worship song. But about four minutes later, I'm like, this is too hard. I, yay, Jesus, thanks for the song. I don't want to do it. Well, the rock underneath here, I think that's where a lot of us land. We let Jesus work about this deep. We let him pick out the easy stuff. But then there's really hard rock. under Your bedrock is super hard. You're like, God, you know what? You're not going to touch my childhood trauma. You're not going to touch the fact that me and my husband are struggling. You're not going to touch my marriage. You're not going to touch my addiction. You're not going to touch this. You're not going to touch the secret parts of my life because it is too hard. So you know what happens? You love Jesus, but you're not letting him in. You really do love him, but you're not willing to let him sink down deep and jackhammer that rock. If you don't let him do it, what does it say? It says that that seed sprouts quickly. You've seen it. You see new Christians get really excited, but then when you go to disciple, be discipled, or then God says, you've got to stop this, or you've got to let me in, they're like, just jokes. You're not doing that, God. Mm-mm, too much. That's too much. You're asking too much of me. What, is ha- what happens here? It says the seed sprouts quickly, but the plant, so- the plant soon wilts under the hot sun, and since they don't have deep roots, they die. This is why we walk away from Jesus, this right here, because you don't let him dig deep. It is not fun. <laughs> When you've got to do the work of letting God in, I had so many, I'm 40 years old, I just turned 40, thank you very much, 40's gonna be the best decade of my life, I'll have you say. Yeah, if you're in your 40s or you're older, I love you. I used to be afraid of, when I was like a teenager, I thought 40 was ancient. It is not ancient. I'm still very young, I'm ex- my, my oldest is getting ready to go to college. I still feel like I am barely out of college. Anybody feel like that? Thank you. I feel like I just got out of college. I did not. It was decades ago. <laughs> I remember my daughter just wanted her junior prom, and my husband's and my first date was my junior prom. Maybe want to throw up a little bit because I met my husband when I was 17 and we got married when I was 20. Um, I'm not ready for that. My parents must have been nuts for letting that. Well, I don't know. That's a whole other story. I had a lot, I'm 40 years old, and I have had a lot of childhood trauma. I've had a lot of struggle. I've had a lot of things happen. And let me tell you, I waited until I was in my 30s, my mid-30s, to deal with the bedrock. 
for the love of all that is good, will you stop being stubborn and let God dig out what he's going to dig out? If I could talk to my younger self, this young, my younger self that were at these altars praying for things, I would say, will you just cry uncle right now? <laughs> we just let God do what he's going to do. My 20s and my 30s would have been so much more fruitful if I would have let God dig out the junk. If you have bedrock in your life, let me just tell you one thing. You do have bedrock in your life because you're a human being. So let God dig it out. Because if you don't let him dig it out, you're going to find yourself in the same place, withered up and dead, over and over and over and over and over again. Over and over and over. And you're going to say to yourself 50,000 times, how did I let myself get here again? I'm telling you, this is how you do it. You don't let God dig deep enough. Don't be the shallow soil with the underlying rock. Don't. Get it out. Let, let him do it. Because here's the truth. It always comes out. Always. And it always comes out at the most inopportune times. You have the breakdown when you're like, I got to have everything together. And then the breakdown comes. Or you lose your mind on your kids because the bedrock is up to here. And you're like, ah, you have a way to get it out. Jesus says, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Would you just let him do what he's meant to do? God is the master at all of the things. He's the master of all. You guys said you like to garden. Well, let me, I'm not going to take my gardening into my own hands. I'm going to call you and I'm going to let you do the garden. This guy in the pink shirt, peach, orange, I don't know, I can't see. I'm going to call him and let him do the gardening at my home because I'm terrible at it. Well, why are you trying to master your own life when you are terrible at it? God knows what he's doing, so let him do it. If you're not an electrician, you shouldn't be trying to do electrical work. You, do you hear what I said? You shouldn't be trying to do it. How many of you have been zapped because you're trying to do work that you shouldn't be doing? Let God do what he's meant to do for crying out loud. He's the creator of the universe. He created you exactly the way he created you, so let him do it. But yet, we're like, that's enough. You're not going to dig deep. You're not, I'm not letting you do it. Well, you are going to wither up and die every time you don't let God do it. This is what happens. Third soil he talks about is soil with thorns. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. I think a lot of us are either the shallow soil with underlying rock or we're, the, we're this soil with thorns. You know what the soil with thorns is? It's when you put yourself repeatedly in a place that you know is going to destroy you. When you surround yourself with the wrong people over and over, you put yourself back in a situation that has choked you out over and over, but you still let yourself stay there. Why, if you know that people in your life are bad for you, do you stay? They're going to choke you out. 
They're the weeds in your life. For the love of me, I'm going to ask God a million questions when I get to heaven. I decided I'll go last in humanity because I have so many questions. Like, why did you make mosquitoes? They're absurd. Or ants. Or God, why on earth did you make weeds? It's really one of the reasons why I hate gardening the most. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed weeds? It doesn't matter how often you pull those idiots out, they come back and they kill my flowers. I'm blaming it on the weeds, not my inability to do anything right with gardening. It's the weeds' fault. It's the weeds' fault. Here's the problem. I can nurture that plant. I can give them all the food. I can give them all the sunlight. I can give them the right soil. But if I don't take the weeds out, the weeds wrap around the roots of that plant and they kill it. You can put all of Jesus in your life. You can know all about the Bible. You can read it all. You can come to every small group. You can connect. You can serve. You can do. But if you don't get the thorns and weeds out of your life, you will be choked out. Guys, if you don't get the junk out of your life and the world is a better place, rip them out. I am so bad at gardening that we had very beautiful, beautiful, beautiful bushes and plants in our front yard when we bought our house. The person before me was great at this. I was not. So I hate we. They make me angry. Because when I'm, I, I know I pulled that out yesterday. I know it, that I pulled that sucker out. And, and now it's back and it's bigger the very next day. It's rude, it's unacceptable, and I'm sick of it. Well, you know why it's still there? Because Beck didn't get the root of the weed out. So many of us pick the top off. We pick the green out. We did. If you don't get rid of the root stuff and the thorns in your life, they're going to come back. And, what, and weeds, they, they intermingle and they grow underneath everything. So when you pull the weed out, one time there was this, I thought it was a this is how bad I am. I thought it was an actual plant. And my husband's like, that, that is clearly a weed. I'm like, well, look how big and strong it is. It's growing. He's like, you are off, babe. You do not, th that's a weed. So I'm like, that's it, it's coming out. Well, have you ever pulled really hard? And then I did the right thing by putting that ridiculous black paper. You know, you take the, put the black paper, it's supposed to keep the weeds out. Lies, don't, that, don't buy it. It doesn't work. So I'm pulling really hard. I'm like, I'm like squatting down. I'm pulling hard. Well, I pulled so hard that all that dumb paper in the mulch, it all comes out with it and tons of weeds everywhere. You ever been there where you pull everything out? Guess what didn't come back? That dumb growing weed. Because I got the roots. I pulled everything else out with it. Everything, everything was gone, but it felt really good. I felt so good when I got all of the stuff out. So you know what? You know what my front yard looks like now? This is the truth. I have now, I ripped, we ripped the bush, I mean the bushes out, everything. I put those contractor, black contractor bags, because that paper don't work. The black contractor bags, I heard this was wrong, but I put bleach underneath the contractor bags. I heard bleach kills everything. Then I put rock. So very rarely now, actually nothing grows. <laughs> nothing at all. And I have to be honest, I'm real happy about it. Because <laughs> I know I ain't going to put the time in to make that garden look good. 
And here's the truth. You can sit through message after message after message, but if you don't dig the root out and you don't take those big rocks and you don't let God take the big rocks out of your life, you never get to this last one. And I know you're not supposed to say never and always and all those things, but I am telling you, you won't get to where God wants you to be and what he has for you if you're not willing to put in some work and get your hands dirty. I cannot garden from my living room. I gotta be in the dirt. You gotta dig it out. And the fourth soil is the best one. It says, still other seeds fell on fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even hundreds times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. If you're a farmer or you're a gardener, you know that your plants are not going to grow well unless you put in the work and dig. You've got to dig it out. Those farmers that plant those fields so that you can have those strawberries or corn or whatever it is that they make, I know that corn's gro- corn grows in fields. I know that berries grow in fields. The rest of the stuff, I don't know, comes from somewhere. Mine comes from the grocery store. It grows in the grocery store. You know that in order to get fertile soil, it didn't just happen. Those farmers put in long hours, tedious. They were probably, if I was a farmer, I'd cry the whole time. Like, this is ridiculous. I hate this. But in order to get the fertile soil, in order to be where God wants you to be in your life, you've got to do the work. That fertile soil didn't get there by itself. It doesn't just happen. You can't just one day say, God, and make everything new in Jesus' name, amen. It would be amazing. That'd be great. I'd love for that to happen. I wish it would, but it doesn't work that way. You have got to put in the work. And here's what happens when you put in the work, when you dig out the rock, when you dig out the soil, when you dig out all of the things, you dig out the thorns and you dig out the weeds, Look at what it says. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had planted. If your soil is fertile, guess what happens? That peace you want that's planted, then there's peace not just in your life, but in your kids' lives, in the people around you. It is multiplied more than you possibly could imagine. Why wouldn't you want that? If you had cancer and there was a surefire way to cure your cancer, no matter how hard the treatment was, you would do it if it was guaranteed to you that your cancer would be gone. Every one of you in this room would do it. This is a surefire way to have God produce amazing fruit in your life and we don't do it. This is foolproof. It works every time when you dig out the rock and you dig out the thorns, it works every time. When you keep at it and you make sure that your soil is fertile and ready to go, it works every time. It is the cure to your anxiety. It is the cure to your depression. It is the cure to your addiction, to your marriage falling apart. Working, putting the work into your soil is the cure. What soil are you gonna be today? Are you going to be the footpath where you just walk in today, you hear it, and you walk out? Or are you going to be the one where you let it in a little bit, but you're like, you're not touching the rock, God. 
Or maybe you're going to be the person that's like, I feel really good about where I'm at, and my flower is really beautiful, and I look really, really nice, but I'm going to let these thorns, and I'm going to let these weeds, because I don't want to dig them out. I'm not mean, I promise. I sound really mean today. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, is I know a God that set me free from all of this stuff in my life. And I wish that I would have just listened and dug it out sooner. It isn't being mean. Discipleship is not mean. It is God saying to you, I want everything I have for you, 30, 60, 100 fold. You know what the truth of the matter is? A farmer doesn't do any of that stuff on his own. He has lots of people that help. And if you think for a second that you can have fertile soil on your own, you are missing out. You need Jesus and you need the people in this room. If you think for a minute that you can get all of this stuff out by yourself, you are wrong in every way. Even Jesus, God himself, the creator of the universe, there's three parts of him, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God needed other people too. Everything about God shows us how we should live. Jesus came to earth and he needed his disciples. He needed his friends When I think about Jesus and I think about him going to the Garden of Gethsemane and he's crying, I love that Jesus cried. Makes me feel better about all the tears that I shed. Jesus needed his friends. I know there's some men in this room that are like, no way am I gonna let somebody in. No way am I gonna talk about my stuff because that's not what men do. That is the biggest lie of the enemy. Men, if you can get a hold of letting God soften you and letting God rip out what is going on underneath it all, you can change the dynamic of generations to come. Please don't leave this room with the stuff that you carried in. That is not why God came. Wouldn't it be a waste if somebody handed you the cure to cancer and you're like, "Mm, I don't want to take it. You are hearing the word of God this morning and it says to listen. Do not leave this room today without looking yourself in the mirror and saying, where am I at? Truthfully. The Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth will what? It sets you free. So many of us don't want to face the truth because it feels embarrassing or you feel shame or it's too much to bear. But that is right where Satan wants you. It's right where he wants to hold you so that you don't get the blessings of God 30, 60, 100 times. Can you imagine what your life would look like in a month, six months, tomorrow, if you said no more? I'm going to fix my dirt. And the beautiful part is every person in this room needs to fix their dirt. Every single one of us, no matter how long you've been saved, or if you don't know Jesus at all, we're all in the same boat. We all have soil that we need to fix. And you're going to have to keep working on it until the day Jesus returns.
So you might as well get in there and start digging now. Don't wait till it's so overwhelming that it feels like it's going to crush you. And if you're at that stage, would you please just cry, uncle, tap the mat and say, God, here I am. All of me, all of the ugly, all of the anger, all of the bitterness, all of the you're not even here for me. I had a counselor once tell me, and let me tell you this, counseling is one of the most beautiful things that God has ever created. I fought it for years because I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm a pastor's kid and I'm a pastor and I got it together enough that I don't need counseling. Yes, I did. If you're afraid of it or you think that you need it, do it. Talk to somebody. Get the help that you need because God works in all kinds of ways. I don't want you to leave this room without knowing that Jesus came to bless you abundantly 30, 60 times in every area of your life, not just one. God wants to do absolutely incredible things in your life, but you have to let him. He's not going to force his way into your life. He is a gentleman. Sometimes I wish he would just knock me over and be like, all right, enough is enough. Just let me in. Let me do what I'm going to do. And, but he doesn't. So this morning, I, do you guys stand up? Or, do you stand up at the end of stuff or do you sit? I don't know. What do you do? Isaiah, what? How about this? If we're talking about digging, it takes action, right? Would you guys mind standing up with me this morning? Maybe get up and move around a little. Most of all, I want you to take the next few minutes between you and God and say, God, where am I at? Where's my dirt? What do you need from me? What do I got to do? There's always two steps to something. You've got to own it, and then you've got to tell somebody about it. Because what Satan wants to do in your life is he wants to keep you. You may have a God moment right now. You may have a God moment. But he wants to keep you from telling somebody else about it. Because when we keep it inside, it's a secret. Find somebody. I know that there are amazing people here that want to walk you through the healing that God has for you. Become new today. You can be new right now in this moment. So Father, I pray for each incredible person in this room that just feel the weight and the heaviness of life and feel like they can't possibly do it another minute. Lord, I pray that they would know they cannot do it without you. Father, I pray in this very moment, you would break the chains in people's lives. You would break addiction. You would break anger in people's lives. You would break pride and, and selfishness and, Father, depression and anxiety. You would break these things and that each person in this room would have the courage to say, no more. I am starting new. Father, I thank you for the ability to hear your word and to apply it to our lives. Jesus, I pray for something new in each one of us today. We love you. We thank you. We know, God, that you are amazing in every way. And maybe you're in this room this morning and you don't know who Jesus is. You don't have a relationship with him and all of this stuff is weird to you. That's all right. 
But Jesus came for you too. He didn't just come for those of us that maybe have known him for a long time. He came for us that need him. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, there will be people up front this morning that will say, hey, let me tell you about my great God that wants to give you new life. So Father, I pray for each person in this room that maybe doesn't know you, that they would hear what you said today, that you love them deeply and want the very best for them and want to set them free. Jesus, I pray that they would find you and that they would be willing to let you in this morning and let you make the changes that they need to have a wonderful, abundant life. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, your strength, and your mercy. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rebecca. Wow, what a word. I remember when she was about 12 or 13 when we first came to Freedom Valley. She babysat our kids when they were young. What a word. Thank you. May God bless you. What soil are you? Hebrews 4:12 says the word of God is living, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing joint and marrow and bone. The Holy Spirit will take what was shared this morning and work in your life that you will have good soil and be good soil to yield 30, 50, and the one people. Amen. Ah, thank you, Lord. All right, let's pray. Father God. We thank you for your goodness and your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for the work you did today. And as we, as James said, we don't look in a mirror and turn away, but we look in a mirror and be changed. That you're going to continue this work in us, that we yield to you, allowing you to take that bedrock, that hard soil, the traumas, the hurts, the pains, whatever it is that we give to you, Holy Spirit, that you love us and that you will just turn in us to make the good soil that we may have a yield of 30, 50, and a hundredfold in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week.
Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.